Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. One, this is the Go Long Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, sharing, supporting. And a special thank you to all of our subscribers to the newsletter at golongtd.com. And our readers may remember conversation when we launched the newsletter back in late 20, November, December. This was one of the first Q&As uh, that I posted with Bruce Smith. That's right. The all-time sack king, pro football hall of famer. I believe the greatest player in Buffalo Bills franchise history had the chance to link with Bruce and man, we got into a lot, a lot of football, obviously, um, and in how his body is feeling today after the hits, the concussions, nerve damage, you name it. Uh, but I think what you'll find most interesting, especially right now with July 4th around the corner, is everything that Bruce Smith has done overseas. He, he's visited the troops and has some really compelling stories to share about those experiences. In fact, as you'll hear here, it hit the deck once. Um, a little scary situation, but that perspective has really shaped Bruce Smith's life and, and why he wants to give back in so many ways today. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And over at the newsletter, if you missed it, we have a column up right now on Sammy Watkins and the effect that he can bring that Green Bay Packers locker room. Yeah, he'll help them on the field, but I think his mind and the way he thinks all of the experiences he's been through is going to help in that locker room. Thank you so much, everyone. you up in the morning these days well what is your passion uh today that you know really gives you fulfillment well um you know i'm recovering after surgery mm. um uh an ulnar nerve transfer from uh, from playing ball so i think this takes me up to about my 12th surgery somewhere in that neighborhood uh uh, you know, pretty much while I was playing, we we uh, kept the majority of my surgeries quiet and um, did them during the off season and rehab during the off season at home. Um, uh, but I had a obviously a, a great medical medical staff with uh, the team understanding that I was going to go out and seek uh, the best medical, um, uh, the, the, the best medical doctors um, that were, that existed, and yeah. um, uh, and that, that team included um, Dr. Andrews, um, oh, yeah. uh, Dr. Stedman, and Dr. Yoakum, along with a gentleman by the name of Dr. Uh, Campbell uh, down here in Virginia Beach. And this, what kind of surgery was this again with your nerves? Ulnar nerves. Um, my, my, uh, a bone was pressing on my ulnar nerve and it, uh, uh, it causes the, 
the ring finger and the pinky finger to go numb. Oh my god! And it gotten so bad that I started having atrophy in my hands and arms, and my finger fingers were going so numb. Um, and at night, uh, it would uh, I would, it would wake me up uh, because they were so numb. Um, I'd have to shake my hand until I got the feeling back in them. But you know that doesn't make for a peaceful night's sleep when you're waking up because your fingers and hand is going up. So they had to transfer the, the nerve from that location uh, over about an inch or two. And it, um, it comes from lifting weights and uh, obviously falling on astroturf. The bone becomes, you know, damaged and it presses on the nerves. So. Oh my God, I never heard of the ulnar nerve. I was just Googling it here while you were talking. I mean, yeah, that's about as important of a nerve as you could imagine. You know, you use it every day. I mean, that had to be a, kind of horrifying when you're at, it, it's just, the atrophy kicks in, you can't even do anything. Well, it's, my, I had my right arm done about four or five years ago and needed to get my left one done. And, and um, Finally, I couldn't wait any longer. Uh, it, it was just interrupting my quality of life, oh. and uh, so it was. It was a priority to, to get it done. Is this Thank a- God for uh, the, the, the great medical attention that yeah. that uh, um, um, that I, I had already had a relationship with? Is it a common? Um, is it a common thing for you know ex? Ball players to, to go go through this point of life. I mean, do you know any other guys? For athletes, for athletes, uh, yes, but okay. it quite frankly, it's more common um, for people in in general uh, to to have this done as well. Um, uh, having said that, uh, obviously the beating that, that that the body takes from playing sports. Um, it allows it to, to happen more frequently. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think. I think the last time that, you know, we actually uh, were, like, at least meeting face-to-face, it might have been Jim's golf event, like, five years ago, and you were, I think you were pretty candid then about, you know, all the stuff that you were going through with your memory and your mind and your brain and just the effects that you were seeing day-to-day. I mean, what since then, how how is all of that? How is your uh, memory doing, you know, in light of, God, you know, who knows how many concussions through your years playing? Well, um, uh, just to reflect back, I, I remember three concussions uh, mm-hmm. that I actually had because I was, actually knocked out on the field. I was basically asleep. Um, and they had to wake me up with smelling salts. salts. And uh, um, and on two of the occasions, I went back in the game. Um, on one occasion, which was the last game of my career, um, I did not. So uh, that doesn't calculate all the other times that I was dinged uh, or uh, I got my bell rung 
God knows how many how many instances there were with with that. I mean the the three times that you just fell asleep on the field. I mean you went back in twice. No, I didn't. I, well, I, I I I was knocked out. Yeah, let's let's you know make that perfectly clear. Uh, you know, waking up, not really having an account for because it happened so quickly and abruptly, and you're waking up and there's 80,000 people in the stands and you really can't hear anything or have a sense of awareness as to, to what's going on. And, um, it's, it's pretty scary. When were those? Uh, wow. One was in 03. talking and you're you know sharp sharp as a tack i i try to read everything that you've said you're so on the top of everything going on in the world today i mean your your brain seems to be you know just humming on all cylinders right now but are you concerned later in life are you seeing effects um are already where where are you at with the effects of all these concussions down the road an actual science to that I mean I've heard that with guys where if you can just stay stimulated stay busy 
you know, you use your brain day in and day out. I mean, that that can help big time and push potential symptoms way, way down the road. And, and you know, part two, it's like you, you love this stuff. I mean, you, you've always kind of wanted to change the world. I mean, you've been a humanitarian, it seems, you know, for years and years and years back to the... Well, you, I remember you went to Africa, right, and helped with the cleft palates. And, I mean, that... Yeah, in, in, in 1999, I, I went to... Um, I went to uh, Africa uh, with Operation Smile, uh, a humanitarian mission uh, called the World Journey of Hope, uh, where we operated on on uh, children and, and adults with cleft palates and other facial deformities. Spent two and a half weeks over there. Uh, I, I tell you, probably the most fulfilling trip uh, that. I've ever experienced in my life uh, just just being able to be a part of this organization and the impact that it had uh, on those that uh, I tell you just some of these families would walk for a day just to get screened just to see if they were uh, able and and uh, if uh, they would be on the list to, to, to be able to have this surgery. Also, the um, uh, a USO trip to to Iraq uh, after the uh, Gulf after the Iraqi War. Also, a military trip to uh, to uh, South Korea uh, to visit the troops. So, two of the trips were um, visiting the troops uh, uh, during the holidays over in Iraq. It was around the same period of time. I think it was about four. Four or five years ago, over to uh, South Korea. There was one, oh, and uh, also the trip with uh, Jared Kraft and uh, 18 other Hall of Famers over to Israel. So uh, th- th- these experiences that uh, I've been able to uh, to help to, to shape me as a person really reinforce my thoughts and beliefs about my purpose in life and being able to help get back and make a difference. We live in such like a myopic society, you know, we're all just kind of thinking about ourselves by and large, you know, my generation. Yeah. And, I mean, where does that come from for you to to just constantly give back in, in every way? I mean, is there, where, where, where do you draw the roots of that, that, that purpose and that desire that's like deep down inside of you? That always in that way, I think when I was younger, I was so focused on, on I'd always cared and, and, and wanted to help and, and do things, but I did those monetarily. And monetarily is one of the easiest ways you can, you can give back. But when you commit your time, you, 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 Realize that that's the you you can always make money more times than not, uh, but your time is something that you're not going to be able to to get back. So to 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 be able to to set aside two and a half weeks uh, to to go over to another country and 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 take part in in their humanitarian efforts uh, or to go and visit the troops who. I got to tell you, I probably got more out of it than the 
just to see the joy uh, that was that was in their eyes and, and the words that they spoke about how appreciative that, that they were uh, that we would come over and spend that time uh, uh, with them. And, um, so, uh, it, you know, for me, my father, having been in the military, my, my brother, having served in the military, it, it just, it, it really felt special to me that, that I was afforded the opportunity to be able to spend time with them and, you know, just some of the conversations that I had uh, with, with, with our troops, some of the ones that, that have had the, paid the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, you, you're not, you, you can't speak to the ones that have, that have lost their lives, but, uh, but the ones that have lost limbs and you can see the scars, you can see the, the 80 to 90% of, of burns that occurred uh, in a firefight. Uh, it, it, it just, I, I, I tell you, it, it really humbles you at the sacrifice uh, that our troops make on our behalf and the behalf of the freedoms that we live and, 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 and we're able to move around freely with, with but basically without care in the world, knowing that, that there are people out there, are people, brave, brave Americans that are putting their lives on the line and their families who's making the ultimate sacrifice of, of being here while their sons, their, their daughters, their husbands, their wives, their uncles, and, and, and so forth are laying everything on the line for the protection uh, of our liberties and, and, and freedom. So um, I am so thankful and grateful. And all of this was a very humbling experience. That's going to shape a worldview, too. I mean, it's that's a perspective that just sticks with you for a lifetime. And when you're up close and visiting with these troops, are there any soldiers, any stories, you know, and anything specific that you still kind of think of to this day that... It was pretty jarring. Oh man, I, I hell, I can remember when we were in Iraq and the when we landed at the airport. Uh, the airport looked like a war zone. It had eight feet, eight to ten feet concrete walls built all around the, the, the city. And uh, as we were being transported from one location to another, uh, we were in bulletproof SUVs doing 80 miles an hour so obviously the the, the the insurgents couldn't lock in on you and take out one of the vehicles you know there, there, there's the flag football game that that we played in, in uh, with the troops in Iraq and you want to talk about a a competitive group of, of men and women, they laid into us in their flag football game and, and, and actually uh, whipped us pretty good. Really? Uh, and and we, weren't, we were not anticipating that. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun and very competitive. And uh, there was also a situation where we were having a pep rally 
the night before the game, and the insurgents uh, started shooting rockets over uh, into into the base. And um, uh, I'm trying to make the, 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 the story a little shorter, but I want to make sure I give you the full impact. Oh, go as long as you want. Um, this is amazing. Yeah. And and so we were on stage. It was about, I must have been about five, six, seven hundred troops in this, this auditorium that was built. Um, and... The head um, uh, general, or, or I forget, the commander of the base was uh, introducing us all and and, uh, and giving a little background and so forth. And, and obviously, the troops were fans of all the teams uh, in the league and college-wise as well. So we we uh, heard a faint a faint uh, boom go off. And everybody looked at one another, and what is that? Shortly thereafter, there was another boom, and the commander said, everyone get on the ground. And we thought to ourselves, oh, man, they're pulling the fast one on us. They want to get some laughs. And then the commander said, no, everyone get on the ground. So we got on the ground. And we're looking around and looking around. The troops are on the ground. The commander's on the ground. Everybody's on the ground. So after a few minutes, we gathered ourselves and, and got back and proceeded with the program. And and, uh, and then came a point in time that they wanted us to mingle with the troops, so we got out off the stage. Then there was another boom, but it was closer. And we had to hit the ground again. So what, when we hit the ground... A few of the troops jumped on top of us, and because they were taught not to let anything happen to the to the the, the, the visitors or the guests and, and, and so forth, so I'm staring at one of the troops' faces that was kind of on top of me, and he's looking to me. He said, "Welcome to Iraq," <laughs> and I said. I want to go home. I didn't sign up for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, tell you, I, I tell you, it's like getting on one of those roller coaster rides and you start calling for your mom. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh no. My heart was beating. So, so just the courage, courage, the, the fortitude, and, and the, 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 the inner strength of these young men and women that are in our military was incredibly inspiring. Um, because I take my workout clothes with me wherever I go, and, and I worked out with them for, for three months. I mean, uh, uh, during the week, uh, we ate in the mess halls with them. Um, we sat in meetings with them. It, it was just, just an incredible experience and I, I, I thank God that I, I had the opportunity to to be able to, to spend a little time with them because I can never walk in their shoes because because of the sacrifice that they're making but I just had an, an opportunity to to, to, to to conversate, rub elbows, sleep at the, uh, 
the bunk beds oh. and, and things of that nature, and it was it was just an incredible experience. <laughs> that's an unbelievable story. I mean, that's day to day life for them. Then I mean, those booms. That's that, that is day to day life, and it's it, it. You know, obviously, we were treated a, a, a little special, although we got a chance to to see feel uh, uh, a little bit, just a little a taste from firsthand experience. But this is what they do. They 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 protect. They they um, come to the de- defense. Um, uh, this is what they do for a living. Um, and and quite frankly, um, they uh, they don't get nearly the credit that they deserve. That that perspective that you got on that trip, I just feel like, man, that, that is something we all should have. You know, that these are the men and women defending our liberties day in, day out, and it's not talked about, it's not thought about, it's just so far in the back of our minds that it's it's a shame, really. I don't. How do we change that? Yeah, well, the, the, the narrative is, um, the narrative should be and is, these are our true heroes. Yeah. Uh, we would not be the country that we are without our military. And so we... we you know, we, we, we talk about sports figures, we talk about um, um, folks that, that have, you know, impacted our lives from a, a entertainment standpoint and, and so forth. We are legends of a game, but, but these folks that are in our military are heroes, uh, and they put it all on the line. So well said. And I just keep thinking about you, too. I mean, well, first of all, what year was that again when you went out there? To Iraq? Yeah. Uh, when was it? I think that was in 08. Oh, wait. Just watching the, the football life, which I got to say, I watch all those. Yours has, has got to be the best. That was just phenomenal. Just to follow your personal growth over the years, when you think back at a young Bruce Smith, <laughs> you know, coming in the league like you did, I mean, got Jim and Tasker and those guys didn't hold back, calling you arrogant and selfish and cocky and all that. How far have you just come yourself from a young Bruce to this perspective that you have on the world today? Um, well, that, that's the one good thing about our family um, and our era. Of, of playing in, in, in Buffalo, we were all basically blue-collar kids that were drafted and played in a blue-collar town. I, I myself, uh, from my parents' background uh, of, of being blue-collar workers, um, I understood hard work and yeah. the sacrifices that need to be made uh, and the, 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 the maturation process that, that needed to unfold, I just didn't know how to do it. I needed, I needed direction. Like most young adults, we need direction. We need guidance. Uh, and, 
and the smart ones are receptive to it, and the smart ones apply it to their day-to-day life and, and day-to-day routine. Uh, this this maturation process started with with, with my parents uh, again, who went to work at sunup and came home uh, at sundown, um, and there were they were not jobs that one would enjoy doing. And, you know, that process continued with my high school football and basketball coach. Uh, and then my college coach. And and then, obviously, with, with uh, Marv Levy and Rusty Jones. So I, I took bits and pieces of information from each and every one that came into my life uh, and, and tried to get something out of it and learn something and apply it, you, you know, from, from Rusty Jones, eating habits and conditioning and, and working out, body fat, uh, from Ted Cottrell, how, how to study film, uh, from Marv Levy, um, how to be a professional, my parents' hard work, um, uh, and how to treat people being a man of your word and, and so forth. So that's how this, this whole process unfolded. And, and quite frankly, it, it, it's still uh, unfolding uh, as we speak. Um, uh, after I left the game, uh, uh, understanding or trying to get a better gauge on how I could better help my community. Uh, and, you know, one of the ways of, of, of doing that is, is equal opportunity and uh, the disparities that exist. Uh, and, and when you start talking about disparities, we're, we're not talking about handouts. We're not talking about uh, gifts or set-asides. We're talking about opportunity. Um, opportunity to, 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 to be successful, but... That doesn't happen when you're 17, 18, 25, 30 years old. It starts when you start looking at these uh, neighborhoods um, that, that don't have the, uh, the funding in their school district uh, because of the zip code or an area code. Uh, you're talking about ha- how housing disparities, healthcare disparities, uh, and the inequities and inequalities that exist. So there's just so many things that that all human beings, all of us, uh, if if we want this country to to to, to, to continue to be thought of as as the leader in the free world. We all have to do our part uh, to, to, to make that happen. So how, how do you apply it then? How, can, how are you trying to bring about change in, in your community there and you know, at that grassroots level to get this country to where you, where you want it to be? Well, you have to be engaged. Um, you, you have to be on the ground. And then you have to find politicians that create policies and laws that 
make these communities better. Yeah. That that uh, I mean, we we all talk about the the, the presidency and and um, how uh, everyone needs to vote uh, for for a president, but the body that impacts your life on a day to day basis and has probably a more greater impact on your community is local politics. Yeah, that's so your, true. Your, your city council. Uh, then you move from your, your city council to your state elected officials. Your state elected officials, and obviously, uh, then you're, you're starting to talk about uh, the presidency. But... Um, you really have to focus your attention on your local politics and and hold them accountable to making your neighborhoods, your community, your school systems uh, uh, that much better. What are they doing with your tax dollars? What are the policies that they're creating? So that that's what I've been I've been trying to focus on. I mean, just how much hope do you have that, you know, brighter days are ahead and we can we can just improve our communities to where they need to be? Well, well brighter, brighter days are ahead of us. Uh, but we, we as a people, uh, we have to in, in embrace one another. Um, um, we have to understand that... It, First of all, we have to understand the, the disparities that exist within our communities and, and across this country. Before I lose you, too, I, I don't know if you wanted to get in, into any football. Like When you look back at your career, is there a way you want to be remembered? Is, is there something you want to come to mind for people when they, when they think of uh, Bruce Smith, the, the football player? You know, the, the, the thing that then for me is, is, is that his body of work speaks for itself. The, the, the transformation of this young, wet behind the ears kid, you know, first player picked in the draft, uh, and the transformation that took place over a relatively short period of time um, was was one that that mirrored his. His, his upbringing by his parents, but it it, it the, the the body of work and and when we say that body of work, there wasn't a body of work that that happened over four or five years or eight or nine years. We're talking about a nineteen year body of work, nineteen years in a three four defensive system, defensive. Scheme, whereas when you put your hand in the dirt, that's a man's world. Uh, no, no disrespect to the to the wide receivers, to the defensive backs, running backs. So, but when you play on the defensive line, that is a man's world. So, I would I want to be remembered. Um, and and this this is not gloating or 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 
tackles in NFL history than any other defensive lineman that ever played in the game. That body of work speaks for itself, and I, I, I think I can leave it at that. God knows how many sacks you would have had if you're screaming off the edge every play like the guys today. Oh yeah, yeah. Or, or if 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 I had a, another pass rusher, all the attention was on you every game. Yeah, there, there, you know, you look at you have have to throw Reggie, Reggie out there. Reggie, Reggie had Clyde Simmons and Sean Jones. They both had over a hundred and ten sacks. I think. Uh, Clyde had 113, and and um, uh, Sean Jones had 121. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, the four threes that I had, the closest that I had was I think Bill Hanson who had 60. They're in four threes. You're in three fours, defending the run. Yeah, uh, right. totally We're different era. On, in a three-four defensive line, you're no, you're known for making tackles. In a four-three, you're known for making sacks. Uh, but to have that combination of being able to do both uh, speaks for itself. What do you think just made you different as a you know as a player, as a pass rusher? Your style. I mean, I just loved how Boomer Sison put it. He just said, uh, "What fast, agile, and angry in your talk." Like to you, what? What was your difference, you know, than any other player that ever played the game? Just your your style of play. Um, my style was just totally, completely different from any other uh, in that that era. Um, leverage, speed, my athleticism, uh, power, agility. Um, it, it just, uh, and I got a lot of those uh, athletic qualities from playing basketball and, and having balance. Um, and even though I was a bigger man, when I lost all of that weight, it provided me with endurance. And once I did that, that's when I became a, a, a player that, that could play for a whole game. And then when I put together the football IQ of being able to break down the weaknesses and strengths of an offensive lineman. And then when I learned uh, the, the, the tendencies of specific offenses when they lined up in certain formations, yeah. Uh, from Chuck Lester and Ted Cottrell, that's when that light switch went off. And, you know, as they say, the rest is history. Oh, and that turning point in, in 88, at that point, you know, when you're suspended, your, your career can kind of really go one or two directions, and you just turned it on. I mean, what a lesson for... You know, every player that ever plays the game, right? I mean, that's a point in your life when things could have gone another direction, and you, and you took it the right direction. Right, right. Well, I um, I had some some good people in my life, and, and I, I thank God for for everyone that that He has put in my life, yeah. good or bad, because 
you know, you can learn from every situation. And and that's what I chose to do. And, and I made the best of it. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm blessed, I'm grateful, and I'm thankful uh, for, for everyone that, that God put in my life. And you're finding your purpose today. I mean, that's so key for everybody that's played the game to find. Find that reason to get up in the morning, something that excites you, and you're, I mean, you're literally changing the world, man. It's unbelievable. It's, 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 it's a blessing to be able to, to do your part.